Hello and welcome back to the Men You're Not Alone podcast. This is episode 97. This will likely be another short one. And I've had some stuff just from things that I've been reading uh, while I'm in John and, and stuff I see with fresh eyes. And this is something I've noticed over several years now, but I've never really bothered to, to hunt it down much. But I've I've noticed over over years of reading that we call them the laws of physics, like time and Things as if none of those things can be bent or altered. But I guess if you create the universe, then if you create the cosmos, you get to... You, it, we are so confident and cocky about understanding reality. And I think that we are truly like children. And we have a glimpse, like we've got a little, you know, we've got a hold of like a little tiny piece of reality. And we have no idea what the other 99% of reality actually looks like. So one of the I was going to title this one Jesus bending space, but this was ju- this is just a weird thing like space, like uh, not outer space sort of thing, but like the space around us. Like these are just odd examples. I'm just going to blow through these real quick. If you have an interest in it, you can go back and look at it, kind of nerd out on it if you want, or or just don't. It's up to you. But the first one is uh, John six fourteen and fifteen. I'm just going to read these. They're just short snippets of verses. There's not a lot of context here, but Jesus has been at the Sea of Galilee with his disciples. He's just fed the 5,000 people with some fish and bread. So he finishes that, and this is a very large crowd. And so now when the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus performed, they began to say to one another, this is certainly the prophet who is to come into the world. Then Jesus, because he knew they were going to come and seize him by force to make him king, withdrew again up the mountainside alone. So he's in this massive crowd. He is the center of attention. They are all there to see him. They've just finished eating, but they've been listening to him teach. So he's out there on this mountain where he can, you know, project his voice. And he withdraws again, again, up the mountainside alone. So Jesus just goes up this mountainside alone and what, nobody sees him? I mean, you think about if you've got tens of thousands, or like say 10,000 people, because it's 5,000 men. Let's just say 5,000 people total. You don't think that there's a couple of people in that crowd that are dying to talk to Jesus personally, but he goes up the mountainside alone and withdraws, unnoticed. The next one is, uh, it's, it's in six chapter 6 of John, and this one is at 16. So, And this is right on the heels of what I just read. Now, when evening came, his disciples went down to the lake. That's the Sea of Galilee, which is where they've been at. And Jesus has gone up the, the mountainside from the Sea of Galilee to withdraw again alone. So now when evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, got into a boat, and started to cross the lake to Capernaum. It had already become dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. By now, a strong wind was blowing, and the sea was getting rough. Then when they had rowed about three or four miles, when they had like rowed the boat, they caught sight of Jesus walking on the lake, approaching the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they wanted to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat came to the land where they had been heading. Anyway, you can you can read that and, and look at it yourself. So they're, they're three or four miles out into the Sea of Galilee, hand, headed to Capernaum, which I'm, I don't have a map in front of me. It should be relatively north from where they're at. Or maybe not. I don't forget the direction. So they're three or four miles out. They see Jesus. Um, he says, it's I. Do not be afraid. Okay. Then they wanted to take him into the boat, 
and immediately the boat came to the land where they had been heading. Tell me that's not altering the space around you, as we understand it. That It needs that qualifying remark, as we understand it, as we dogmatically preach it in our universities. The next one is in John 7, and it starts at verse 28. I'm just going to read through 30. Then Jesus, while teaching in the temple courts, cried out, You both know me and know where I come from, and I have not come on my own initiative, but the one who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him, because I have come from him, and he sent me. So then they tried to seize Jesus, but no one laid a hand on him, because his time had not yet come. So he is in the temple. He's constantly irritating the temple leadership, absolutely constantly, because he's showing them how foolish they have allowed what they want people to do to become. It's absolute foolishness. And Jesus is breaking it down and bringing them back to a childlike faith, or he's trying to. So then they tried to seize Jesus, but no one laid a hand on him because his time had not yet come. So they tried to, like, this, Jesus is not there with a platoon of, you know, private bodyguards. But anyway, one more example. They try to seize him. They can't because it's not his time. Then John 8, 58 to 59. So 58 says, Jesus said to them, I can tell you, the, I tell you the solemn truth. Before Abraham came into existence, I am. Then they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out from the temple area. Again, the, the temple leaders and the devout Kool-Aid drinkers in the temple who were following the leaders, not what God had told them to do, but what the leaders were telling them to do. So they had, just previous to this, they'd accused Jesus of being uh, possessed by a demon, or they were asking each other, is he possessed by a demon? And it's just craziness. They, they don't understand who they're even talking to. Then they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out from the temple area. He's standing in the mid, in the midst of, of the people he's speaking to. And then Jesus hid himself. I don't know what that means. But the fact that they had picked up stones, if you're picking up stones to throw at somebody, it tells me you're probably within a stone's throw of somebody. That would be my guess. Plus, if you can hear somebody, you're probably fairly close. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the temple, I've never like checked the audible tones of being in that area. But anyway, that's another one you can check. So then... Uh, John 9, 4, this is on the heels of the one I just did. So it's, uh, I think I, I did an episode on this, but I'll just read it real quick. And Jesus offers this weird response to a question by his disciples about whether a, a man that Jesus healed who was blind and Jesus healed him from his blindness. And the, re- the disciples asked him, it, you know, is he blind because his parents sinned or because he did? And Jesus said, it has nothing to do with that. And then his response is, we must perform the deeds of the one who sent me as long as it is daytime. Nighttime is com- night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. We must perform the deeds of the one who sent me as long as it is daytime. Uh, sent me as long as it is daytime. Night is coming when no one can work. That is a very odd phrase. Very odd phrase. And considering it does not have any con it doesn't directly answer the question that his disciples asked him. So now 
skip forward to John 10. And th these examples are all over the Gospels. These are ones that I just found recently. And I, I should have been writing them down all along over the years, but I didn't. So if I jump to uh, John 10, 37, and I'm just going to read a couple of verses. This is Jesus again speaking. If I do not perform the deeds of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do them, even if you do not believe me, believe the deeds so that you may come to know and understand that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Then they attempted again to seize him, but he escaped their clutches. Again, it's this, it's this, uh, like, what is he, a ninja? No, there's something else going on here. And granted, Jesus is no mamby-pamby. He's not some lightweight something. He was, I mean, his trade was carpentry. He's, he's not a little wuss. I work with a lot of carpenters. They're not pushovers. And, but still, he escaped their clutches. They. There's always multiple people trying to get him. But he just seems like he just sometimes just kind of vanishes. So here's another one. This is one that has long been a favorite of mine. So this is in Luke 4, and it's 24 through 30. So I know it's several verses to read, but I think this one is a very fascinating one. Very fascinating one. So Jesus is in Nazareth, and he's teaching. It's the Sabbath. So the Sabbath for the, the Hebrews was Friday at sunset till Saturday at sunset. So he's either it's either Friday evening that he's at the uh, at the synagogue. I'm going to guess it's probably Saturday, and it's sometime during the day. And he has come to the synagogue in Nazareth, and and they had the Old Testament on scrolls, and he unrolled one of the scrolls, and he and he read it, and he was teaching. And I'll just pick it up here. They didn't really the people were so focused on him that they didn't even listen to what he was teaching. And they were being pretty like critical, like we couldn't have a prophet that came out of Nazareth. Like we can't have this. So Jesus finishes teaching. Some people are critical of him. And he added, I tell you the truth, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's day when the sky was shut up three and a half years and there was a great famine over all the land. So God had asked Elijah to put a, a famine on, on the land for three and a half years to as a form of judgment. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to a woman who was a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, yet none of them was cleansed except Naaman the, the Syrian. So Jesus is just saying, look, I'm not here to like heal the entire world. I'm here to offer them a way of salvation. But you you have like you're gonna this life comes with pain. It does come with hardship it does come with it's not perfect because he created it that perfect but he's trying to explain to them like hey look welcome the like you're going to learn from the hardships and the pain and stuff don't just shrug them off and don't look at me as if i need to make your life nothing but cotton candy and bubbles and so that this is uh, in a long and short of it this is kind of irritated the fire out of them because they want what they want and they want it now and they don't want to be any hardship. They want an easy cakewalk life, in case that sounds familiar with a lot of modern churches. Um, so anyway, he's just pulling out examples of how in the midst of calamitous situations, sometimes only a handful of people get an exceptional blessing of something. And it's not for everybody. But God is doing these things for specific reasons to move a larger picture, a better picture forward. When they heard this, all the people in the synagogue were filled with rage. 
That's a pretty forceful statement. All of them were filled with rage because they don't want to be told to stop acting like spoiled children. Uh, They got up, forced Jesus out of the town, and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But he passed through the crowd and went on his way. So they are, he's out of the synagogue. They have, this is a, um, a mob scene. I mean, we've had plenty of mob scenes in the U.S. and probably elsewhere in the world, if you're, wherever you're listening at. They're driving Jesus up this, up this hill that drops off at Nazareth to drive him right over the cliff. They're, they're, I mean, this, is, this isn't like, you know, Luke is writing down that the people were full of rage. They, they, they're going to kill him. Like, this isn't a little bit of rage. These people, they got blood on their minds. They're going to kill him. So they get him up as as they start approaching the cliff face. Just imagine this. This is a mob. It's not like people are distracted by a shiny object. I mean, Jesus is the focal point of their attention. And Luke is watching this. That's how he's able to record this. But he passed through the crowd and went on his way. That's not usual. I'll leave that one. You can chew on it in your own mind. That's just a small token of a whole bunch of examples of stuff that is like that. If you think the book is the Bible is a boring book, I would contend that you really haven't bothered to take the time to read it and pay attention to it. All right, I'm going to drop off here, and I hope you have a great day. I'll catch you on the next one.